good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and whoa, what a gorgeous day to be here on the beach in Bondi having a little throttle. Unfortunately for me, uh, good news and bad news, I've got a, something going on with my toe. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but my foot swelled up to about the size of a balloon, and I uh, have to go and see the doctor today to see what's going on. Um, and it hurts while I walk. But uh, that aside, uh, I am not my foot. It's a thing on the end of my leg that's hurting. And uh, yeah, that doesn't affect me, Chris, who's doing the podcast. So we're going to talk today. I thought of a funny little story that I'd love to share. Um, and it's kind of like relevant to everything we do. Um, my friend at once a while back asked me to walk their dog and I love walking a friend's dog and uh, so I collected the dog and put on a leash got the necessary poo bags and the friend said look if you if you need to take some dog biscuits with you or some little uh, dog things and uh, treats and uh, whenever you need to just give the dog a treat for walking well or doing something nice or so I had the poo bags in my pocket and I thought well what I'm going to do is fill a poo bag full of little dog biscuits so off we went and we trot along and oh my gosh there's a gorgeous coffee shop along the way and I think to myself damn I'm going to stop and have a coffee so with dog in hand I tie the dog up outside walk inside and order myself a coffee and probably a croissant if I remember rightly. Everything's going really well but everybody in the shop is looking at me with this sort of weird look and I'm thinking have I got a boogie on my nose have I done something wrong but what I've inadvertently done is put the doggy poo bag with the dog biscuits on the counter where I was ordering my coffee and of course they weren't to know it wasn't full of dog shit. They weren't to know that. <laughs> and then I walk outside and I place the little doggy bag full of what everyone thinks is dog shit on the table next to my coffee and proceed to dip my hand in it. So I suspect there was quite a few people on the edge of puking. I think the people in the shop were in absolute shock. No, nobody would ever expect a dog poo bag about the volume that this dog would eliminate would ever expect anyone to do anything but throw it in the garbage bin. So this was, it didn't dawn on me till later what, what, what was transpiring and then I was like, oh shit, it's all too late. I can't, you know, I can't go back. <laughs> uh, but all jokes aside, you know, it's important for us all to be aware of the perception that we give others. And the perception, uh, as I've displayed in this example, uh, that we give others can be quite accidental. We can be, in a sense, unconscious. So we need to be, I guess, educated and trained into what causes people to perceive us as having our shit together. Um, it's not about conformity. 
it's about saying, if I'm going to deliver you a massage service, and that's my business, I better dress like a person who does massage. And I better have pictures on the wall in the room where I'm about to do that professional treatment of bones and bodies and sculptures and, uh, and acupuncture points and God knows what. It's important the sheets on the bed or on the massage table need to be uh, of an appropriate, or towels need to be of an appropriate quality. So with all this said, it's, I think the point comes around to even the clothing that we wear, the shoes we wear, the outfit we've got on, choosing our glasses if we wear them, or contacts. All these things are about representing ourselves in the best way possible. So we've talked about it before, but just for the sake of reiterating, because for me it always comes back to the, to the knowledge that I got up in the Himalayas, and that was working with, um, as I did over a period of five years, a shaman, um, or as they call them in the Himalayas, Shastri, Shastri, Shastri. Shastri is a Tibetan healer. And a Shastri is acknowledged in the world as being medically capable of performing certain amounts of uh, surgeries, but they've never gone to India. These days they sometimes do, probably more often than not, but in traditional ways a Shastri was someone whose father's 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 father was a Shastri. So four or five generations it takes to become the village Shastri or the town Shastri or the Himalayan Shastri. And the Shastri typically dress in traditional clothes, the, uh, the, the Tibetan robes and what have you. And uh, when I talked to my colleagues and I became very close friends with both of the Shastri who worked out of, the Tibetan healers who worked out of Nancy Bazaar, in fact I was sponsoring one of them and uh, helping him with the Rinpoche of Tengbatsu Monastery to bring herbs and plant them in the earth in Sydney for healing. That's another story. But anyway, they believe that it's very important to dress in traditional clothes because they have a belief, it's a a triad of beliefs. One, the patient must believe the healer can do the job. Two, the healer must believe the patient can heal. So there's a, a contract. And three, they both must believe in the medicine or the technique or whatever is being applied to, to do the healing. So one of, one of the structures that helps a patient believe in the Shastri is their uniform. And I think this is really goes back to the dog poo bag as well. We do owe it to our clients to arrive in some form of believability in uniform because 
just like my office desk. I uh, live, uh, have an office desk, it's very zen-like. If somebody puts something there that isn't in the right place, I always move it. I like to have my desk a reflection of my mind because I believe these messages, these subliminal messages, are invading and uh, affecting, not so much invading, but affecting, affecting our mind continually. And uh, like, I've just come back from Tasmania, uh, doing some work down there, and people are very obsessed down in Tassie with the environment. They are cr critical and very proud, in a way, to live in a pristine place. And it's quite funny to go there as a Sydney sider and see what they've adapted to as being pristine and it's not. And just but they interpret it that way. Um, there's a lot of tradition in Tassie uh, where people have done things forever and therefore continue to do them. And so it's quite beautiful to sort of go back in time. And Tassie represents that, I think, as a brand. It represents uh, a, a, a place forgotten, but therefore a, pray, a place where nature still rules the roost. Uh, you don't have to be there very long to realise that there are good and bad things about that. And of course, I was up in the northwest of Tassie where logging is still uh, keeping a town alive, burning. Uh, and so logging trucks still roar past you with old growth forest on them. We met a farmer while we were there. I was go we were going for a, uh, a gravel ride and we, we drove into the, into the countryside to start it and we met this beautiful old farmer on his tractor and he goes, I said, how's it going up here? And he goes, oh, there's too many trees on my property. And I thought, well, and he said, yeah, there's too many trees to really uh, make a go of it in this part of uh, Tassie. So I said, what do you do about that? And he says, oh, there's a guy comes out with his logging equipment and logs it, takes it to the mill, uh, and I get a clear uh, thing, and the government has given me permission, given him permission to log so many acres per year, or hectares per year, and, uh, and he gets nothing for it. So the logger, with all the gear and all the equipment, gets all the logs for free. The guy just can't wait to cut down more trees. And what he will put in their place is a few cows, or maybe hay. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's kind of interesting that this still, the farmer is still competing with the, what we would call conservation to make a living. In a world where farming is you know, harder and harder. So 
our environment impacts us, how we look, whether we carry poo bags and put them on the counter full of accidentally full of biscuits uh, really does change the world around us and as we're floating our boat we, we say that over and over again in the work we do with people when one when the tide rises all boats rise and you are the tide you're not a boat you are the tide and you're coming in and you're going up and you're rising in the world following your path living your purpose being a conscious human being and part of your consciousness is respecting that people don't always listen to what we say they observe what we do and our appearance is just a very important part of it but also our appearance for ourselves the way we do our desks what we wear uh, and how we eat and how we sit, how we stand, uh, how we communicate, how many times a day we say the S word. All these things are really important in projecting the consciousness that you're growing inside of you. Listen, Chris, you have a beautiful day. Bye for now.